0: So just to be clear, this is the part you don't want me to talk over, right? Oh, my God! <laughs> I don't want to mess it up. Oh. I know we're, we're doing this thing.
1: Welcome to Breaking the Panel, where I never, ever, ever thought I would say I miss Anthony Reed. His, his <laughs> oh, cheesy boy. jokes. Uh, I had Charles McFall, the man who, who throws the stick in the spokes of my BMX, Tony P. Henderson. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? The man who brought up a great
0: topic a that we like to raise. No, on. no. What? No. What? Yes? Throw, was that a spear-throwing
2: joke? Whoa, I'm sorry, did probably. you not listen to Yeah. Were you probably not awake for Andrew's volume yes, one? Yeah. Were you not awake
1: <laughs> for volume one where we talked about <laughs> oh. riding our bike? No, shut up, Tony. I hate uh-huh. you so much, Tony. Don't you start this. Don't you do it.
3: That's messed just, up, Charles. <laughs> That's
1: messed I,
0: up. I... I I, I got a last-minute mm. message to come help be on the show, and I was like, of course, man. I'm happy to help. I appreciate you thinking about me. Right, you guys. And then this. Wow. Tony,
3: I've been been—I've long been talking about the hostile work environment, which we operate. <laughs> Go figure that three of the four don't notice a problem. <laughs>
2: y- y'all, y'all are ta- you're, you're taking well, away class's time. Is first all of all, if you're going to rant, please rant in English, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: Well, Chris Wisdom brought up a great topic for volume two where he talked about the movie theaters versus – Universal Studios, and that was awesome. So check out that episode, 215, Volume Two. This is 215, Volume Three, where the ever Paul Kloss is going to talk about what we miss in the 90s.
2: Yeah, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what we miss from the 90s. And we can have a little bit of bleed over into the late 80s if you want, maybe a little bit of the early aughts. But basically, you know, uh, what prompted this was actually Twitter today had Pearl Jam and a whole bunch of other 90s bands were trending. And I don't know why I couldn't fit. That's the weird thing about Twitter sometimes is when something starts trending, like you go click on the trend to figure out why it's trending. And all it is, is people talking about how it's trending and they don't know why, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh, that's the internet in a nutshell.
3: I was going to say, isn't that the premise of our show? <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, but like, I was like, you know what? <laughs> there there was something, we talked about this a little bit last week with one of our topics where we're talking about the way things used to be. We've talked about it recently when we were talking about gaming in the old days. But like the, for me, the nineties were my formative years. You know, I was born in 84. Uh, so I, I started to become a young man in the nineties and it was a, It was a cultural revolution in many ways. I mean, the digital technology really started to change the way we saw things, the way movies looked, the way music sounded, all of that kind of stuff. And I just wanted to reminisce a little bit about some of our experiences from back then and what's maybe some of those experiences that we might be missing. Uh, And I, I think I'm going to start off with last volume. We talked about archaic business models and archaic concepts, the movie theater experience, Uh, You know, in in the break, I was talking about how when I was like a preteen and a teenager, what I used to do to celebrate my birthday is I would get my two best friends and we would go to the local mall and because we lived in the country so it was a bit of a trip and we would, we'd get dropped off for like four or five hours, we'd go see a movie we'd go to the arcade that was right next to the movie theater and we'd eat in the food court and then we'd probably, you know, waste our money on some other stuff, we'd shop a little bit or whatever, but the whole point it, usually we'd go to EB, Electronics Boutique, which is what GameStop became. Uh or yeah, before it was GameStop.
1: Well, don't keep saying it. You're going to trigger Chris. He's going to get a little <laughs> he's going to call you a uh uh
2: retail a reseller. <laughs> yeah but you know like it there it, there was something about that, like we made a day of it, we would go spend like like I said four or five, maybe six hours, yeah. we'd have a lot of fun, and like i I will always remember. Getting to go see like the Star Wars Special Editions, even though I now understand how flawed they were. Uh, I will always remember getting to see some of the big blockbusters of the 90s in the theater. I'll always remember being able to go play Street Fighter and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Time Crisis and everything in between. And just having these awesome days that were just full of whatever we wanted to do. And then we'd go to electronics boutique and we'd go look at all the video games that we couldn't afford, or we'd buy (laughs) a new video game or something. Yeah. It was just, it was a whole experience. And I feel like some of that still exists, but it's not quite the same, uh, digital distribution. As much as I like to embrace it, it is kind of stripped some of the experience out. Uh, so let's, let's go around. Let's, uh, let's spitfire some of these. What are some things that you guys remember from the nineties in particular that you kind of miss gas Um, prices, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well there so, aren't gas prices back down where they yeah, were they are they, there
3: <laughs> So I was feeling a little attacked when you're talking about archaic business models, because my wife and I got together in 2001. So I haven't had that explorative sex that I had when I was a young man in the 90s. (laughs) What is Chris talking about right now? (laughs) I am living an archaic business model and all the married men know what I'm talking about. You see me, Bill. From what I understand, business
2: is closed (laughs) in the wisdom household. (laughs)
3: It is now. I, she listens. I don't. I don't <laughs> oh no! <laughs> it's this new development. I'm not liking it. <laughs> Why are you talking about me on the show?
2: I don't.
1: Oh, don't do her voice, dude.
2: That's gonna get you. <laughs> you so no, you,
1: don't do you that.
3: Just
2: you no. committed marriage oh. suicide. You were oh boy AFC has said I, they're not I, going
1: to carry your marriage in their theaters now
2: because yeah. you did that yeah no marriage
3: story here <laughs>
0: oh, Tony. I have no, no idea I, what you're talking about Chris. <laughs> I really don't I,
3: but I mean just in general the 90s like the idea of mall ratting like I mean Paul you you nailed it between you know KB Toys and EB Games Suncoast FYE all of these places uh, Tower Records you know mm-hmm. for those of me that were lucky enough to have them but Sam Goody's in my area Uh things like that. Uh, It was, you know, just being able to go to the mall, hang out. And that was a day of it. And I remember like, my thought process has changed. Uh, so when I'm in Kansas City, every once in a while I'll go to Kansas City well, when the theaters are open, and I'll catch a matinee on a Saturday with my buddy Tyler, right? And we'll go catch a matinee, and then we'll do that thing, that theater hopping thing, right? Because when you were a kid, you are like, oh, shit, we're not supposed to be doing this, blah, blah, blah. And nowadays you're doing yeah, it, you're like, I'm going to get mine.
1: I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my $27 worth. <laughs> You know, I, I uh, never hung out at the mall. but I did go there for the arcade I, I, or to buy something, but typically, uh, that was where the only arcade in town was. And man, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles four-player arcade, the X-Men mm-hmm. four-player arcade, mm-hmm. that that was the that was a jam, man. I, those, I mean, Simpsons, those, that the
3: yeah, Simpsons four-player arcade, Simpsons, yeah. Yep, yep. Yep. That X-Men yeah. 6 player. Yeah, all those. And those were the communal games and then you look over and uh, Gauntlet Legends was fun. But so that was that was you could almost have that as a transition, right? Like Turtle Simpson, those were like fun. You're having fun with your friends playing. You don't care who fucks up and who dies, right? And then you move over to the next machine and that's Gauntlet Legends. Things are getting a little bit more a little more heated between you and your bros and yeah. then like the next machine over is probably capcom or or x-men children of yeah, the atom yeah, yeah. mortal Kombat 2 shit like that and that's where stuff starts getting lit and you guys are yelling at each other you're talking mad shit the whole time <laughs> and then and then the other side of the arcade is the pinball machines when you get mad because you suck at that game and your friends talking all this shit on you you're like fuck you i'm gonna go play apollo 13 <laughs> handle this 13 balls writers <laughs> of the lost ark the kiss <laughs> army <laughs>
0: That was oddly specific,
3: yeah. Yeah, it um, was. It was. We had, a,
0: we had a pretty awesome arcade in in Columbus. I, I kind of came up through there. Uh, in fact, uh, one of the stories I told on on Bill's show, uh, 143 Pixels, was out of that particular arcade yeah. that I grew up in. I just, it's my happy place. Uh, I'll never see it again, you know, it's never gonna be what it was. Um, but I feel like this is old man talk here. But for one, it was safe. You know, you could just hang out at the mall all day. My mom, who was very overprotective, had no problem knowing I was at the mall. um, Because it is, as far as things go, relatively safe. You had your games. To Chris's point, different types of games, whatever you were in the mood for. We'd take a break, go to the food court. go to We had, like, a Candy Express or something. Go to that. Go to the toy stores. Look at magazines. Come back to the arcade. There was, like, a route, a rotation. Um, We always went to Sparrow. They had um, free refills on drinks, mm-hmm. so you'd buy a small drink. I'd liter- we'd literally drink out of the same cup for like eight hours because we'd refill it throughout the day. Yeah. There was one, I'll never forget, there was one point the cup started falling apart, <laughs> and we were like, okay, man, you know, you got me. We're like, you know, maybe, maybe, just maybe, it's been a little too long. Uh, So that's definitely and I feel like that's one thing we all and even people in the chat and those of us that podcast and do this all have in common. We kind of came through that that arcade scene. Yeah, yeah. Uh that that that's first and foremost the big one i have a well, second just but the whole
2: that's like the big one like chris said the mall ratting thing you know like yeah maybe you spent some time at the arcade maybe you went to your I, when i was really young my local mall had a comic book store in it. it didn't last very long because when the when the bus came in the mid 90s that store couldn't yeah i mean malls are expensive to have you know for those who don't know i've seen the balance sheet for a business that's based in a mall and i've seen the rent per month and it's like oh, holy stupid. crap Yep. yeah, it's insane. Like you, uh I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait, that's more than we sell every month. I don't understand how we're still open. Uh, but yeah, like it, it's it's crazy high. And so but like in the 90s that was really like you could do everything. You could make a day of it on a pretty regular basis. And I mean, it wasn't the only place. The mall wasn't the only place that was possible. There were mm-hmm. other places, you know, it, there were it just it was a different time and it wasn't quite the like, the arcade heyday of the 80s where like there really was never anything to do anywhere and like having a destination for everybody to go to and have that be the place that young people could go and just really rock their world because nobody had anything at home that could do anything like those arcade cabs could do Mm -hmm. different you know different experience entirely but the 90s it was like and you know we started to get our home consoles in the 90s too you know that's that's actually perfect. I just happened to look
0: over and see the comment from uh, Red Arrow that said he missed going to his friend's house mm-hmm. and playing co-op on a console. Yep. And I, I'm like, yeah. oh, man, remember that? Me and my friends killed some Street Fighter. I don't know yeah. why we played,
1: you know, so much Street Fighter. Because <laughs> like, it's at- an easy-to-get multiplayer game. That was 100 yeah. percent designed for you to play with other people at the time.
2: I remember when the PlayStation 2 came out. uh, Now, this is a little bit into the aughts, um, but like I was a senior in high school and I remember one kid in my class or uh, sorry, the class ahead of me. So I was a junior in high school. He had a PlayStation 2. He was one of the only people who had one. Uh, He would put it in a bag and travel to everybody's house with it and come hang out and you'd make a day of it. Like he'd come hang out, hook up his PS2 and you would play tekken we played tekken tag tournament we played the hell out of tekken tag tournament because that game was so good and we'd play it for hours and we just round robin it you know hand it off when you when you lost we played uh red faction i don't know if anybody remembers that yeah. first person shooter and what was amazing about that is you could set the time limit to like max and like a thousand kills or whatever and you would just like because you could destroy the environments you would tunnel through the walls and everything yeah. and you would just you'd make your own level essentially yeah. It was insane. And we would just play those games forever, like hours and hours and hours. I don't think I could play a game for as long. Well, wait, nope, take that back. Animal Crossing has consumed my life. But <laughs> the point is like it was different and you could sit there with your friends and you would, you know, the parents would usually make a meal at some point. And so everybody would have dinner and you'd still be playing video games. You maybe you throw a DVD in and watch a movie or something for a while. But like it, it just became this whole your whole day kind of revolves around this group activity. And I just feel like that barely exists now for some reason. Oh, not it. It doesn't exist
0: at all. I, as you're telling the story, I was thinking about Goldeneye. and I, mm-hmm. and I remember, I remember sitting at my buddy's house, man, me, him, his little brother, his mom, some other friends would come in and out cycling through gold. man, you picked the little guy. You can't do that. You know? Mm-hmm. Was, um, and just, you would play, you would do something else. You'd have a side conversation, you know, and and no that drink is drink really, really the, you know, <laughs> <laughs> those those really are like you yeah. know the quote-unquote good old days man and you know you you would know yeah and i guess kids still know their friends parents and stuff but there was i, I just feel like a bunch of kids aren't going over to one house anymore because there's no reason because yeah. everyone has their own game at their own home and that's where you play mm-hmm. you know you, you you don't co-op on you know roblox or or (laughs) g or whatever well
2: and you know that's the other thing about the the co-op gaming experience too is now that you're playing online like you're suddenly thrust into competition with everybody everywhere and like so back in the day when you were playing couch co-op you just like you could be the best you know, you could be the big fish in your little pond. You could yeah, be the best. Pond, yeah. You could be the best mm-hmm. street fighter f- guy, or you could be the best first-person shooter guy. And if you weren't, all you had to do was aspire mm-hmm. to the Breaking mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the Panel mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll mm-hmm. find mm-hmm. more of our amazing mm-hmm. podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com. and the thing is it's so cutthroat it's so hardcore you can't play a lot of these games online to just like level up if you will like you can't cut your teeth playing first person shooters and fighting games online because you get thrust into matchmaking and people just destroy you like they just roll you and it's there's no joy in that uh also there's no joy in completely kicking the shit out of somebody that you can't see I mean, there's a little bit of joy because I like it's, doing that in Sea of Thieves, but <laughs> it's, it's that, not the same as watching you know, the literal tears fall down somebody's face in person. You know where I do
0: find that feeling now is um, board gaming and the board mm-hmm. gaming community. Um, I, I still get that. It's that feeling of, you know, like you say, couch co-op, um, talking shit to people that you can see, mm-hmm. um, playing together, learning from them, you know, getting better by watching and playing together and there's just a, a lot more bigger community to it which is why ironically i can't get into board gaming online um a lot of friends are doing that they're you know we're all stuck in the house oh try tabletop yeah this. i'm like yeah i just don't like it you know i'm kind of a purist when it comes to board games i'm gonna i'm gonna flip switch it up a little bit i can talk about arcades for all night
2: excellent breaking the panel is made possible by you and other listeners just as awesome as you are if you want to support the show and get a little something in return just go to patreon.com slash breaking the panel because we do appreciate the
0: help but uh one thing i miss it's kind of interesting is what i'll call package group tv shows and i'll give you an example uh tgif for example Mm -hmm. Yep. Um also what I'm thinking about is SNICK, the Nickelodeon Saturday night mm-hmm. and when I say package I mean like they all kind of tied together or there would be it was like a 2 hour block mm-hmm. you know TGIF was notorious for it like a, a 2 hour block but there was like a co-host or a host or something kind of tying it all together and coming back and oh wasn't that a crazy episode of family matters well up next balky does something wacky mm-hmm. And it, it felt like – I don't know how to explain it. It almost felt like an experience, you know, of of this TV show block. Same thing with, yeah. with late-night Nickelodeon. You, did, you had this, you had that, you had this. There was some special guest from some show hosting it. And it just kind of felt – I don't know. It felt – I and could was But, it, yes, thank yeah. you. Thank you. It yeah. felt like an event. It felt like something special instead of just – You know, watching four episodes of the same one thing that nobody else—you know—watching,
3: and even even to build on that, like not just the not just not just Saturday Night Nick, not just TGIF, but you remember that once a month magical world of Disney? Oh, how excited you got! Yes, (laughs) like man, I remember. Yeah, just being jazzed about that, and I, yep. you know, now I can log on to Disney Plus and do that anytime I want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's lost its luster. It's like being married since. Well, there. We- <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> I, just-
0: <laughs> I mean, if you're gonna go in, you know, go in, go all in. Um, and then kind of jumps back to TV shows. I'm sorry, Paul, being uh, an event, you know, where, yeah. you know, but I, this is a little bit for the older guys, like the. Who shot J.R. Ewing? Everyone
2: was talking about it. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm.
0: Paul, you were saying.
2: Well, so you were, we talked about this uh, last week. uh, Must see TV. Mm -hmm. the, the, The legendary NBC Thursday night block where you took two extraordinarily successful comedies you sandwich them, you put a either new or maybe slightly lagging comedy in between the two really successful ones, you put another one on top of the second successful one, and then you lead into an edgy drama. And that was a three hour programming block that was just the best stuff. Like it was NBC, at the height of their, their best stuff, their best content. And I mean, we're talking about shows like Friends and Seinfeld, you know, I believe Frazier was in that block at one point, you know, they're they're just great, legendary shows that ran for years and had huge followings. So it was an experience. Every Thursday night was exciting, like you you would put even I was young. We were young, you know, relatively young. And so maybe like all of those shows didn't perfectly speak to us at that age but i still remember watching them and having a great time every thursday night and then friday night with tgif once i was you know preteen, teenage years like watching tgif and just laughing at stuff like urkel and <laughs> you know the the other shows that were in that block yeah, yeah it's that just doesn't exist anymore there's nothing mm. like that
3: al over on step by step <laughs> <laughs> uncle phil
2: you know um, no, I miss. Uh, <laughs> you watching daytime on Friday nights? Yeah, you watching Oprah? Uh,
1: no, uh, no, not Phil. Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel Air.
2: Oh right, yeah. right. I had to because Tony's here. I, I thought I you knew, were talking about that. I knew talking. where you, you were knew going where I went. No, miss. Well, yeah, because you're his doppelganger, and you yeah. hate that.
1: I miss, I miss the '90s music, man. <laughs> the '90s music was when it, we, every so many generations, every so many decades, you get that era layer, of where yes. things grow. And you get, shut up. You got, uh, I mean, grunge came out and that was my jam. But you know, T- Tupac and Biggie were, were mm-hmm. rising stars in the 90s. You get the West Coast, East Coast rap. Rap became more mainstream. Metallica, you know, did a lot in the 80s, but they became mainstream, quote fingers in the 90s with, with black. And it was, it was, uh, you got, I got into so many different worlds of music in that era that I just don't feel like it's available today. Now well, my kids man. find new stuff but
3: it's different it's
0: i mean like- i think the biggest difference is and i i, I really thought you were going to say this
3: music videos mm-hmm. yeah you know Yeah. yeah I mean, and, and- mtv vh1 I, yeah.
0: yeah as someone who's who's always liked a ton of different music you can just watch music videos and there'd be a variety you yeah. know and that's yeah. how i would discover stuff and that's how you know it, it would go from you know it was just hit so it was like hip-hop to this to that yeah to metallica yeah. to you know
3: it's it's weird though like on the on the you know looking back at it with with the knowledge you have no now about how those things were produced who was the one that actually put up fronted the money for those yeah. and the artists not <laughs> making money back on yeah those no it's a bad error for them you know yeah. exactly um but you know like uh, is it is it vivo i think vivo still does uh, music videos and stuff but you have to go that's some place you have to, it's it's not just easy to find anymore it's not something you just fall yeah. into because you're not just flipping channels and all of a sudden oh should i like this song or let yeah. me check this out yeah. type of deal
0: and that's what it was like two yeah. in the morning like what are you doing up video there will yeah. be videos on two o'clock all in the morning you're hitting long. that pin field right yeah. yeah. videos on yeah. oh yeah 100, <laughs> <laughs>
3: minutes yeah and, yeah yeah <laughs> you know, um,
1: you know but well, I learned, i sorry, I gotta get this one out. I learned about Trent Reznor, Nine Inch Nails, because of Beavis and Butthead. butthead.
2: Well, yeah, I was just yeah. gonna mention Beavis and Butthead. I was gonna be like, it, half of that show was animated, like comedy, and then the other half was them just like doing the MST3K thing yeah. over music videos. Yeah. And like, it, it's, it's kind of absurd to think about that now, but like, yeah, that was a wild thing. And, but you mentioned Trent Reznor. Yeah. Whenever I hear Nine Inch Nails' "Closer," I still in my mind see Trent Reznor in the "Closer" video on wires, rotating in and slow, weird cuts in that weird house. I always talk about back in the '90s, like when I was growing up. I was like, "Is that what it's like to be an adult? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do I have to live in a house like that? That's weird. My house doesn't look like that." But then also, I think of stuff like you. We mentioned hip hop. you know, regulators. Above above the rim. Yeah. That that video <laughs> yeah. always plays in my head. Gangster Paradise always plays yes. like the video plays in my head. Amish Paradise. Amish Paradise 90s. is yes. okay. Yeah. Amish Paradise, the song and video combined is probably the greatest parody yeah. of all time. Yeah. Hands down. Yeah.
3: yeah. It and has to know, be. You know, and you talk about, you know. The, the 80s had the advent of that that fusion of rock and wrestling right but you know what came yep. with the 90s was that fusion of comedy and and music of rock and comedy right like yeah, yeah, mtv yeah. half hour comedy hour the video the the vh1 comedy specials that were always on like that the the comics that are big now like i remember watching when they were when they were just mm. starting out like i remember yeah. the first time i saw uh uh oh god damn it uh the dude with the puppets. I'm missing his head. Jeff his, uh, with with no yes, with peanut. Yeah, Jeff like watching yeah. yeah, watching him on a VH1 special. Jeff uh, wow. uh, those guys. Just incredible the stuff that you're exposed to without necessarily having to have HBO, because HBO was a big home for comics back then too.
0: Yeah. Just so, Peanut would get that exposure. So, there's one better. But wait, I'm sorry. Of all the comics like man I remember seeing him in the 90s and he's blown up you went, a, no no Jeff no no <laughs> well
3: it's it's charles i, I would have gone bill engvall but i didn't want to play too oh. much. I mean, I no no <laughs> see, see, no
1: no 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 b-e-t <laughs> deaf comedy jam cedric the entertainer man all those guys and ladies it was amazing
2: yeah well i mean that that's something we kind of haven't circled around to though is like the attitude the edge of the '90s, like you had attitude and edge in the hip hop scene, you had it in the alternative scene, the the grunge scene, you had it in the
3: wrestling oh, scene. Oh, You're I'm wrestling. getting ready. You made it. The, Can, I the, it? Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? Can I do it? Can, do it? <laughs> Can we stop you? Everybody loves it when I do it. <laughs> Go for it!
2: Oh. <laughs>
3: son of a child, I hate you so much. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I hate you I hate you, hate you. I hate you so much. I hate you. Your face.
0: <laughs> All right. So, anyway, now that we're done
2: with him, uh, but yeah, like there was just uh, we the nineties in hindsight was a major cultural revolution that changed so much. And it, it, it was reflected in everything. It was reflected in the music. It was reflected in the music videos, in the films, in the television shows. We started to see a drastic shift in culture in television, Uh, serious gritty drama started to become much more prominent. Uh, Comedies couldn't just be set up punchline laugh track anymore. Like they, they had to, I mean, you know we talk about seinfeld and friends tent poles that that did that but we started to see more inventive stuff coming out uh the rise of improv as like something that was getting like premiered like whose line it isn't who, sorry whose line is it? nicole's gonna be so upset that i butchered that whose line is it anyways on abc with drew as the host was a huge shift Uh, see, you know, improv just getting pushed forward as something that was taken seriously culturally, and now we look at it. And you know, we've we've talked about you know, SNL in the past, we talked about uh, we talked about like Dirty Rock and a whole bunch of other like really successful stuff. A lot of those people started in improv, and their backgrounds were with, with improv troops and stuff, and that was all exploding in the 90s. So it was crazy, it was like this huge cultural revolution that influences everything still today and it but it's so different now that i'm not seeing those i'm not seeing the same sense of community around a lot of that stuff that we once had red arrow mentioned real world and i was like oh Mm -hmm. i was
0: all about somewhere like pedro Pedro was it oh uh, yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. pedro Pedro. and like i i came up through that man yeah the first couple
2: the you know before reality tv took over and became this huge thing the first couple seasons of the real world were Real really compelling. compelling yeah yeah and, but now, and,
0: what's what's funny is now it's all reality and it, it almost it almost was like the beginning of the end and we didn't know it then but yeah the first few were great and then it became
2: you uh-huh. know more and more trashy well as the industry realized that you don't have to script this really like you just have to massage what's actually happening Mm -hmm. and it's low effort low cost television but it gets views and it gets tons of advertising revenue It, it that was something that came out of the 90s that changed television forever and not for the best i mean reality tv is why mtv transitioned from Music videos and being music and culture focused to being trashy reality focused. Viacom, yeah. their entire business strategy yeah. as a production company shifted towards reality TV. It
1: also, it was so much cheaper to produce. so
2: yeah. you know. One last thing I want to throw out for myself
1: is I, I miss these genre of movies. There was just an era of '90s movies that you can't even make today, like Con Air. And, mm-hmm. and just just the dumb action, and then they weren't the dumb '80s action. They were a little bit smarter. But I mean, Nicolas Cage saving the world—how does that work? And yeah, I loved it because that was just that's my era of movies. It's because he
3: got the Constitution, there was a he, map on the that back. That was later. That was later.
1: But yeah. No. And he
3: brought he brought down one airplane full of convicts. He didn't save the world. Charles. <laughs> was, by no. how no. could, just, could uh, know, the uh, rock. Dave Ch- the
1: Rocky D- did. Dave Chappelle. And was, and then he swapped convicts.
0: Faces.
2: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> you're, you're Chappelle. hitting it dave chapelle mm-hmm. yeah he was one of those he was in con area yeah, yep. yeah you know it's just the comedies and the action films from that era i mean today's audience would be like this is trash and be rotten tomatoes 15 percent or whatever it'd be, it'd be shit on but at that time it, it
2: was my jam man it was well, it was just so awesome. so you meant you mentioned nick cage the rock was an mm-hmm. awesome film yeah back then I don't know that it holds up. I haven't watched it in years either. But at the time, it was like the tension, the like some of those scenes. I I still, in my mind, I'll never forget Nick Cage diving for the glass ball
3: with Mm. the virus in it. You know, like sorry go ahead chris Uh, so that's part of the problem too is like us watching like through nostalgia lenses because like i like object i've talked about x-men films before right Mm -hmm. and objectively they don't hold up oh yeah con Con air i've watched within the last year uh tombstone anytime tombstone's on and i love your channels like it's stopping now showed it to if you showed it to somebody that has no experience with movies from that time period like a teenager today and this is their first introduction to Tombstone or Conair. I don't know if it's going to hold up. Like that's the that's the, that's the the experiment that I'd like to see because that's who's yeah. going to tell you whether or not it actually holds up. But then, I mean, tastes change as well. Yeah. Uh, just for uh, it's Conair sitting at 55% on the tomato meter with 75% audience, <laughs> audience score. So
2: we're all nostalgically kind of vote for
1: yeah.
3: it. Um, anything well, else yeah.
1: before we kick out?
2: Well, yeah, no, that kind of thing isn't going to be critically <laughs> supported. No, no, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, somebody brought that up on Reddit the other day. I was reading a thread where they were talking about they missed the days of Siskel and Ebert doing their television show because occasionally Ebert would actually give like a bad movie some praise and and Siskel would just turn to him and be like, You filthy plebeian, what is wrong with you? Like, because it just and because Ebert used to occasionally look at a film and be like, Listen, this isn't great. This isn't, you know, Oscar material. This isn't an award-winning film, but I see what it's trying to do and I see promise. And that was a really interesting thing too. Like the the culture of, there weren't a thousand critics out there that were influencing people's perception of like what was good. There were a handful of really prominent critics yeah. that people respected because they had cut their teeth and earned that respect. And that, I mean, there's, we know that bloggers and reviews and critics are largely a dime a dozen now and there's only a handful that are even remotely like well established in that kind of way
3: but it, the, the problem with that is as much as i loved it and love that show mm-hmm. is john lovitz did it because now today's oh, yeah. today's critic yeah. took that parody and they're like oh this is what it's really supposed to be this is like edgy and, real. and this, is, this is what i'm <laughs> supposed to do as a film critic because gene shallow was the same way those guys would take like they would actually think about this film that they were seeing they'd see it they'd view it with an open mind They'd make they'd make notes and they think about it objectively from, you know, from story to to production to these different elements that all go into a movie versus just going in with the attitude. Well, I have to hate it because I can see already this has got broad appeal. Most people are going to like it. I got to be that one guy that hates it and just got to come up with reasons for why.
2: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. What's the humble hit tonight? uh so the humble hit for this volume is gonna be uh i mentioned this last week uh the dungeons and dragons ebook bundle uh you should check that out if you're interested in getting into forgotten realms it's uh, it's called the read the realms bundle by wizards of the coast it has it's okay it's pretty much wall-to-wall r.a Salvatore books uh the the legend of dritz but honestly they're if you like a light fantasy read they're a good read they have good character work uh decent world building not ed greenwood good if you're a forgotten realms fan but still pretty great uh there's also some other stuff that focuses on the dark elf uh storylines and stuff that's all in there again 15 to get i think it's it's over 20 ebooks i believe yeah it looks like it's about 18 to 20 ebooks uh it's a crazy good deal uh even if you slowly pick through them over the coming years you can't beat that uh, one other thing i kind of wanted to plug and i'm going to double this up because i realized i have more to plug this week than usual there is a holdover still for uh five days left on the square enix bundle and that is uh the dollar tier has uh and it's let me rephrase that it's the humble square enix collective bundle that is square enix is the publisher on these they their indie titles Uh, The $1 tier has Oh My God Heads, Goetia, Octahedron, Deadbeat Heroes. The Beat the Average has Forgotten Ann, which is a really well-rated game that a lot of, like, uh, one of my favorite Switch reviewers, uh, Beat'em Ups, he put it on hit you must get list for the switch uh, but this is for steam of course uh it's on a lot of other people's lists forgotten Anna is a great game the turing test uh black the fall fear effect sedna and then the top tier is only ten dollars or more which is a cheaper bundle uh you get children of the zodiacs boundless tokyo dark and battalion 1944 eastern front so check that out uh those are those are both going away relatively soon so get on top of them and grab those deals and chris well, let
1: me say this is episode two fifteen, volume three. We got one more volume. Tony's going to bring it hot, and we're going to see what he he brings to represent the podcast But Chris, do your do your wrestling outro, man. Hit it.
3: I'm not doing it again. Come you're on, not, do it. Not, nope. Yeah, my nope. hands are free. Nope. You
1: Nope. Good, they won't they, they anyway. can
3: go check out Deadpool
1: loser. <laughs> All right. For those live, we'll be back in just a minute. For those on the podcast, check out that next episode as it drops tomorrow.
2: Breaking the Panel is the flagship podcast on the Giant Size Team Up Network. You can support the show at patreon.com slash breaking the panel, and you'll find more of our amazing podcasts at giantsizeteamup.com.